What is this? Are you trying to trick me? What is this? What's going on here? What are you people doing here? You are talking about the nonsensical ravings of a lunatic mind. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. All righty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. This is a different episode of Storytime today. Essentially, it's a rerun, but it's not really a rerun. It's a highlight episode. I'm not going to rerun shows for you, but what I've done is I've gone back and I've taken excerpts from various episodes, either my favorite episodes or episodes that you guys have said you really enjoyed, and I've taken some of the stories out of those episodes and compiled them in this, okay, rerun episode. If you haven't heard the stories before, I hope you enjoy them. If you have heard them before, I hope you enjoy them again. But here you go. This is the best of story time. Every once in a while, we'd get that snow day, and then we'd get to fill it with the activities that we loved to do. And when you're a kid, what's the first thing you do when it snows? Snowball fights, of course. We had snowball fights. Ours weren't fights. Ours were full-scale wars. We'd divide up into teams. We'd use the whole neighborhood. We'd be running around. Oh, the snowball fights were glorious. We loved the snowball fights. And to go with the snowball fights, of course, the snow fort. You had to build a snow fort. Yeah, we built a snowman, but you know, you build a snowman and you stand there and you look at it. I mean, okay, yeah, it's cool. You have a snowman. Yep, yep, okay. There he is. And then what? But with a snow fort, you could actually use it. You could build walls. You could build windows in the walls. You could see people sneaking up on you with hands full of snowballs. You could dive behind the walls of the fort to avoid the snowballs. Oh, snow forts were awesome. And then when the plows came down the road and they'd pile up the snow on the side of the road, you could dig into that. It was like a ready-made snow fort. Just dig a little hole in there, burrow it out. We didn't worry about things like the thing collapsing on top of us. We didn't care. We were kids. That stuff didn't happen to us. So yeah, we had snow forts and we used them. And we had a great time with our snow forts, our snowball fights. It was a glorious time to be a kid in the snow, outside, in the winter. It was great. We also did stupid stuff in the snow. For instance, we wanted to see if you could ride a bike in the snow. You can't. And we discovered that the hard way. Well, you know the thought process. Well, sure, if we pedal fast enough, how about if we start in the garage, get it up to speed, and hit the snow on the top of the driveway, going as fast as we can? Yeah, if you have anything more than half an inch of snow on the top of the driveway, and you hit that at speed, you come to a pretty quick stop. We learned that the hard way, too. But because mom, and actually not just my mom, all the moms wanted the kids outside, we went outside and we kept ourselves busy and we learned to play outside. And we did that pretty much every day, at least for a little while. It was just the way things were. We had other outdoor activities, of course, but one I never participated in was skiing. And here's the reason for that. When I was in middle school, there was a ski club. And as you might expect, the ski club went skiing. And of course, part of being in the ski club, you had to sign up for the club, get permission slips from your parents, and then be ready to go on the ski trip when it was scheduled. Now, the first year that I signed up for it was sixth grade. And being the homebody that I was and the unpopular fat kid, as you know, this was not something that I did willingly, but it was something that I was encouraged to do by my mother because my mother skied when she was in high school and college. So it was her idea that I should join the ski club. So I reluctantly signed up. 
One of the reasons I was reluctant to do so is because everybody who signed up for the ski club had to have a partner. Since I really didn't have any friends, (laughs) and I know it sounds sad, and it was sad, but I didn't really have any friends, so they paired me up with somebody who happened to be in my class. And I remember who it was, and we didn't have any issues. I mean, we got along. He didn't particularly hate me. I didn't particularly hate him. We didn't particularly like each other either. We just were aware of each other's existence because we were in the same class. So for the first ski trip of the season, we were all set to go. I believe it was Wednesday afternoons they went to the local ski slope, which was about an hour away. And back in those days, the school sponsored the trip and they provided the transportation. So you'd wait after school and you'd hop on the bus and head to the ski slope. Now, I don't remember why I couldn't go on the first trip, but something came up at the last minute. And as I was preparing the episode today and trying to remember why I didn't go, I I just couldn't come up with a reason. I don't remember why. But for whatever reason, I wasn't able to go on the first ski trip. The next day in school, I discovered that the kid that I was supposed to be partnered with broke his leg coming down the ski slope. He slipped, fell, broke his leg. And that freaked me out. It freaked me out so much so that I never wanted to go skiing, ever. It's one of those things that happens when you're young that leaves an impression on you, and that left an impression on me. So I never went skiing, ever, in my life. Yeah, I'm a stocky six-foot-tall dude who's not going to be a runner. I'm not coming near a four-minute mile. But one of the things that I wanted to do was see how quickly I could do a mile. So that's one of the things that I worked into my, for lack of a better term, training regimen. Now, I didn't train for speed. I just trained to exercise. And trained is, is a strong word for what I was doing. I was out there running at a leisurely pace most of the time. But sometimes I would put on the jets and see how quick I could go. And at one point, after a couple of years of running and getting myself in decent running shape, I did go to the high school where I, where I graduated and ran the track. And I timed myself to do a mile in 7 minutes and 30 seconds, which to me was not bad. And I'll tell you why. Number one, I'd never thought that I'd run a mile in under 10 minutes in my life. So doing a mile in 7 minutes and 30 seconds, that was pretty good for me. But it also reminded me of an episode in gym class back when I was still in high school. I don't know if your gym classes were anything like mine, but we always had units on whatever sport it was at the time of year. In the fall, we always had the football unit. In the winter, we always had the basketball unit. In spring, we always had the track and field unit. And in the track and field unit, you had to do various things, long jump, high jump, and running. So I remember back in my sophomore year, everybody got paired off to do a lap around the track, 440 yards, 400 meters one lap around the track, and you had to put in your best time. Now, back then, I was still heavy. I hadn't even started running yet. I knew I had to do the lap because everybody had to do the lap. And the gym teacher just paired people off randomly. Okay, you're going to run with Stan, and you're going to run with Joe, and you're going to run with Phil. He paired me off with Larry. Larry was on the track team. Larry was a sprinter. So I had to go up against Larry to do a lap around the track. Now think for a minute how sadistic this is of the gym teacher. I mean, think about that. You have the short, fat kid. You're putting him on the track against the sprinter, and you're going to time them together. How crushing do you think that was for me? <laughs> to, start, to start a lap 
and it it was like the roadrunner took off next to me. Larry just left. I mean, he left me behind. It was like watching a bolt of lightning. And I remember his time. 56 seconds. He did a lap in 56 seconds. When he crossed the finish line after 56 seconds, I wasn't even at the halfway point of the lap. I wasn't. I was just, I had a good seat to watching him finish the lap. I was going as quick as I could, and I wasn't even halfway around the track yet. So that was always in the back of my head as I was doing my little running routes. I've never done one lap in 56 seconds. I'm just not built that way. But the fact that I did a mile in 7 minutes and 30 seconds, to me, that was a victory. So I was happy to do that. Well, for those who don't know, if you go up to a basketball court at the Y in an arena, out on the playground, in some park, if there's an ongoing game, you find out where the line is for the people who want to play next. And you just say, I got winner. Or if there's somebody in front of you, I got next. The games on the floor are usually played to a set score. Sometimes it's 11, sometimes it's 15, sometimes it's 21. Each court has its own rules. And those rules aren't written down anywhere. You just learn them by showing up, paying attention. So he went up and called winners. And I looked at him and I said, winners? There's only two of us. How are we going to play? And I learned that if you show up with two people and you call winners, depending on how many people are there, you get your other three from whoever's around. And that's determined any number of ways. If there's only a few people there, the guys sitting around who aren't associated with anybody else who's got winners will shoot for the honor of being on your team. Okay, maybe it's not an honor, but at least they shoot for the chance to play with you. But if there's nobody else waiting around, the losers of the game that was just taking place shoot for the three spots on your team. You can also call winners if you're there by yourself, and then you just take four random players from wherever or off of the losing team. Yeah, there's a whole system that I had no knowledge about when I went over to play basketball at the rec center for the first time. Now, I don't remember the results of the first game, but I remember having a good time. It was fun running up and down the court. But there's things that were happening that I had no clue about. I mean, I knew how to defend. I knew how to cover a guy. And I knew how to shoot a little bit. But when my roommate said, all right, let's go zone, I had no clue what he was talking about. Let's go zone? For those who don't know, a zone defense is a defense where instead of guarding a guy in a man-to-man situation, you guard your zone of the floor. And when the ball comes into your zone of the floor, you go guard the guy who's got the ball. But I didn't know that. I had no clue. I'd never played a zone defense in my life. I'd never even heard of a zone defense in basketball. I heard of a zone defense in the context of football, but I had no idea what it was. But I learned. I learned right quick. My roommate was a little frustrated with me, but he said, just cover the ball when it comes in this area. Okay, okay, I got it, I got it. So I finally figured out how to play zone. Not that day. It took several weeks of let's go zone before I figured out, oh yeah, this is what I do. Okay, and when the ball comes here, okay. And when it leaves my zone, okay, I go, okay, I got it, I got it. There was a lot of that in my head when I first started to learn to play basketball. What am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? But I learned. And as I learned, I learned I loved it. Not only that, I learned that I love playing defense. Whether it was a zone or a man-to-man defense, I loved it. And I loved it so much that one of the electives that I wound up taking in college was basketball. When you get out of high school, you figure you're never going to take a gym class again. Until you get to college and you realize, well, you got to fill these electives with something. And one of the electives that I took was basketball because I was finding myself really enjoying my time playing basketball. So I signed up for a basketball course. And as it turns out, the teacher of the course, 
at Bowling Green was a former assistant coach of the L.A. Lakers. Now, to this day, I don't remember the guy's name. I just remember he gave us his resume, and on that resume was assistant coach L.A. Lakers. And some of the stories that he would tell us was about his time coaching the Lakers. And one of the things that he taught us was the importance of stretching before playing basketball. I had no idea what stretching was all about. When I would go out and play athletic events, whatever it was, I would just go play. When I started running, and I've talked about running in other episodes of the podcast, I learned that before you run, you should stretch. So I did some stretching before I would go out and run. But I didn't think about doing stretching before other activities. Well, I didn't think about it until this coach told us that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar spent 45 minutes stretching before he ever played. And for some reason, that stuck in my head. 45 minutes stretching. I mean, I know I stretch before I run, but 45 minutes stretching before you play basketball? Well, it seems like a lot. But the coach gave us a lot of stretching exercises, including the ones that Kareem did. And Kareem was huge when I was a kid. And so I was thinking, well, if Kareem is doing this, I should definitely be doing this. So I listened and I learned and all of those stretches that we were taught in that basketball class. Those are the ones that I still do to this day before I play basketball. Now, thankfully, the coach didn't have us do 45 minutes of stretching, but there was a good 10 minutes of stretching before we did any activities in that basketball class. So after we did the obligatory stretching, the coach would run us through drills, whether they were shooting drills or foot maneuver drills or dribbling drills or ball handling drills or passing drills. He ran us like it was a professional practice. We were running a lot during the first few weeks of that class. We didn't play a lot of basketball, but we learned a lot of basketball. And he taught us how to shoot, and he taught us how to play defense, and he taught us footwork, and he taught us how to post up, even us shorter guys. As a six-footer, I wasn't doing a lot of posting up, but at least I knew how to do it. He also taught us the value of using both hands. I've always been weak with my left hand. I do not have a strong left hand. Even after all the years that I've played basketball, I don't go to my left very often because my left hand is weak. It's better than it used to be, but I'm a right-handed guy, so I go right a lot which is bad if you're playing against guys who know what they're doing. But I can go left just enough to keep them honest. But that's the kind of stuff he taught us, how to go left, how to go right, how to pivot, how to spin. And then a couple of weeks into the course, he divided us all into teams. And it's weird the things you remember about stuff like that, but I remember he designated each of the teams with a professional name. So the team that I was on in my gym class in college was the Suns, after the Phoenix Suns. Now, I'm not a huge Phoenix Suns fan, but I always consider myself a member of the Suns because that's the team that I was on in my college basketball course. I was a Sun, and I don't remember how good we were, and I don't remember whether we won or lost more games. I just remember we were the Suns, and we played hard for 10 weeks. Every week, we played basketball, and that class met two or three times a week, so I was playing basketball two or three times a week just as part of the gym class. And that doesn't count the times that I went over with my roommate or other guys on the floor just to go play pickup basketball. And I was loving it, man. It was awesome. And I was getting in some pretty good shape. Because when we went to play basketball, we didn't play for 15 minutes or 20 minutes. We would play for two hours at a time. Yeah, there'd be a chunk of time if you lost the floor because you lost the game where you'd sit for 15 minutes or so. But then you'd be on the floor again, running against the winners of the previous game. And if you keep winning, you hold the floor. And I remember one night, there was four of us from the floor who went over to the rec center. It was my roommate Dave, our neighbors Ron and Greg, and me who went over to the rec center. And we picked up a fifth, and we ran that floor for a good two hours straight. Now, we weren't particularly good, and we weren't particularly skilled, 
But what we did was work together. We passed the ball, we shot the ball, and we played defense. And we kept winning and winning and winning. It only happened that one night, but we played for two hours straight and didn't lose the floor. And that's one of those vivid memories that sticks out for me. Because it was cool working with a team and playing and winning and winning some more. It was awesome. It was great. And that's one of the nice things about basketball. When you get a good group working together, if you have enough skill and you have enough ability, you can run the floor for a while. So over the years that I was in college, we would go over to the rec center two or three times a week and play some ball. And it was great. When I got out of college, I didn't have that anymore. So I needed it. I needed my basketball fix. And I've always been able to find it. I mean, I had a job at one point where I had a lunch hour. I was able to take, instead of lunch, a basketball break. There was a YMCA in the middle of town. I knew a lot of the local guys who worked in the same field that I did also took lunch breaks at the Y, and we would go to the Y, and from 12 to 1.30, we would play basketball. Some guys golf during the afternoon. We would play basketball. And then 1.30, we'd hit the showers and get back to work by 2. And I was safe because my boss was there. Or if he wasn't there, he knew what I was doing. And it was really part of the networking because a lot of the guys that I was playing with were guys that I was working with. So you get to know people that way. At one point, I also played basketball at the local elementary schools. The town that I was living would open up the schools at night for a lot of the guys in the town. And this is before towns were worried about liability. They trusted guys not to be jerks or to sue them. So, you know, one of the trusted parents would get a key to the gym and he would open it up and everybody knew that Tuesday night at this school, you could play basketball for two hours. And Thursday night at this school, you could play basketball for two hours. And I knew the guys who had the keys... And so Tuesdays and Thursday nights were basketball nights. So I'd get home at the end of the day. I'd have dinner, a light dinner, because you can never play on a full stomach. And I'd hit the elementary schools and we'd go up and play basketball. And you got to know the guys. You'd hang out with the same guys every Tuesday and Thursday night and you'd play a couple hours of ball. And it was great. I loved it. One of my favorite moments from that time was during the summer. It was too hot to play inside, but there was a local park where you could go play basketball outside. And so a lot of the same guys, instead of going on Tuesday and Thursday nights to the schools, would go to this local park. The local park was bigger, so there was a lot of different guys coming from the surrounding area. And one of the guys that I wound up playing against at this outdoor park was a kid that I went to school with, and he was on the basketball team. Now we're talking elementary school, middle school, high school, not college. So the kid I was playing against, he was a guy by then, but the guy that I was playing against, I don't even think recognized me. Because don't forget, when I was a little kid, I was the fat kid who never did anything. He didn't know me, but I recognized him. Because, you know, he was the big star in school. He played basketball, he played football, he played baseball. Now, I'm not telling this part of the story to say, yeah, I shut him down, I slammed on him, I made him look bad. None of that happened. But what I remember is I was able to hold my own against him. I blocked a shot, I made a steal, I scored on him. Yeah, he scored on me too, but made me realize, yeah, I can play this game. Now, also growing up, we were always worried about healthy things or things that would affect our health. So we couldn't go outside with a wet head. We couldn't go outside without a coat because that would cause a cold. Put a coat on. You're going to catch your death of cold. Dry your hair before you go outside. Oh, yeah. Those were the things mom worried about. If your head was wet and you went outside, oh, no, you were going to catch your death of cold. And yeah, coats, mandatory. Mandatory for any temperature under 50 degrees. Now that I'm older, I pretty much wear a coat or at least a sweater any temperature under 50 degrees. But when I was 10, 50 degrees was balmy. I'd be in shorts and a t-shirt if I could be. 
But oh no, we had to have coats and we had to dry our hair. And this is another one of my mother's. We were supposed to wash our hair and then dry it, of course. But when we washed our hair, we had to wash it until you could hear it squeak. Now, I don't know if you ever heard this one, but when you scrub your hair really, really clean, according to my mother, you would hear it squeak when you rubbed the hair together. This is back when I had hair. Nowadays, my head squeaks just by touching it, but that's a whole other story. But when I was a kid, you had to wash your hair until it was squeaky clean. And then we had to dry it until it was bone dry before we could go outside. There was a great obsession with head care when I was a kid. That's going to do it for this episode of Storytime. Thanks so much for listening. I really do appreciate you listening to all of the episodes, including this best of episode. Hope you liked it. If you have any suggestions or stories you'd like to hear on future best of episodes, message me on Twitter, whisper me on Twitch. Just let me know. We'll find those stories. We'll put them up in future episodes. Thanks again, guys. Until next time, you take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.